worshiping together today, you may turn in your favorite Bible app or the Pew Bible and receive these words of scripture from the book of Acts, chapter two, beginning in the first verse. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from God and from our Lord Jesus Christ. It is good to be here at Foundry United Methodist Church. I want to take this opportunity to thank your pastor, Reverend Ginger Gaines Sorelli, for extending to me this invitation to be here at Foundry, sight unseen. We've not met one another. And so it was an act of faith on her part and on mine, as someone pointed out. Uh, but I'm grateful to be here. And I want to thank the staff and all that they have done uh, to help in my transitioning to this point. Um, I want to take this opportunity to recognize just a few uh, people who are very important to me. I have family here, uh, Faye and Bryn and Lynn. Uh, thank you for being here. And I have uh, two wonderful members that I've had the privilege of pastoring at Ben Hill United Methodist Church, uh, Mrs. Gibson and her daughter, Dr. Grace Gibson, who are with us also. Thank you so very much. I invite you to bow your head for a word of prayer. Gracious and all-wise God, we give you thanks for this preaching moment. Simply ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, 
Amen. I thank this choir for how you have blessed us this morning as well. Whenever television executives are considering producing a TV series, the very first thing that they do is develop a episode known as a pilot. And the pilot is designed to do three things. It is to introduce the characters, to lay out the plot, and also the pilot is designed to test viewer interest, to see if there was enough to in fact invest in producing a television series. And if the pilot turns into a TV series, and if that series goes multiple seasons, the very first episode in new, each new season is known as the season premiere. And the season premiere also has purpose. It is to resolve any unresolved issues from the previous seasons or what is commonly referred to as cliffhangers. And it is also to introduce new storylines. I want to suggest to us that what we find in the second chapter of the book of Acts and that is commonly referred to as Pentecost is the season premiere of God's ongoing creative work in this world. You might ask, well, if that's the season premiere, what was the pilot? The pilot was a book called Genesis where we are introduced to the characters of God Almighty, where we are told that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And then we are told that the Holy Spirit hovered, or God's Spirit hovered over the face of the deep, and then God began to speak creation into being. And the same characters that were at work in creation are now at work in this season premiere that we refer to as Pentecost. The details of it again are in the Acts chapter 2 where it talks about the disciples were in the city of Jerusalem. They were there per Jesus' instructions to go and wait for the promise of the Father. Uh, they did not know the substance or the content of what the promise of the Father meant, but they went there and waited. And that's part of what it means to be people of faith, that when we hear instructions from God, that sometimes we have to wait in the mystery and the uncertainty of it all, trusting that what God told us to do, God will bring about a purpose and make things clear. These disciples were waiting in Jerusalem, and the text says that 
While they were there, they heard the sound of a rush of a mighty wind coming from the heavens. And all of a sudden, the house where they were sitting was filled with the Spirit. And there appeared amongst them divided tongues, and each tongue rested upon one of them. And they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were amongst them devout persons from all nations under the heavens. And when they heard this, they came rushing and they asked the question, what is this? How is it that these Galileans can speak to us in our own language? And what they were really saying is, how is it that these Galileans, these backcountry people, these unsophisticated people, these people who did not grow up in a place where they were taught a foreign language, how is it that we hear them not only speaking to us in our own language, but they are telling us about the mighty works of God? We are from all nations under the heavens. And then someone stood up. Someone who did not understand what God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was doing in this moment. Someone who did not understand the creative work of God in each generation stood up and tried to give explanation to what they did not know. They said that these men are drunk. And you know, you always have people who are willing to operate and speak out of their ignorance. You always have people who are willing to put a narrative to those things that they do not really understand. You find in the middle of this, Peter stood up, it says, with the other disciples. And he said that these persons are not drunk, for it is but the third hour. But this is what the prophet Joel talked about when he said that God said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is the introduction of the new storyline. It's not that the spirit is confined to one or two persons, but God is pouring out its spirit on all flesh. And it talks about how your sons and daughters will prophesy and how your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. This is a new storyline. There will be wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth or in the earth below. But I want to suggest to us that while Pentecost is the season premiere of God's activity, ongoing activity in this world, it is not the final episode. There are many episodes, and I was reminded of this many years ago when I was in seminary, and a few of us were in invited to go down to Brownsville, Texas, and we were invited to observe and interact with some people who uh, were coming over from Central America. At the time, the sanctuary movement where individuals were fleeing conflict and seeking sanctuary in America was at play. And we engaged in conversation with them, and then several weeks later, we were in fact invited to go down to El Salvador and view the conflict and the situations that was occurring 
in Central America. And out of the many things that I remember about that experience, there's one that seared itself into my mind. It was a conversation that we had with a young lady, a young lady who had been arrested not because she had done something wrong, but simply because sometimes innocent people get caught up in the conflict of the powers that be. And you find that she began to speak to us and about the experiences that she had, and she was holding in her arms the baby, the baby whose father she did not know because she had been raped by multiple guards while she was in prison, and one of them was the father of this child. But she told us of the incident that occurred when she was in her village. It was a village of 212 people. And she said that one day while in the village, she heard planes going overhead, and it was not uh, it was not abnormal for planes to be flying out, and they would go on bombing raids, seeking out those who were part of the anti-government movement. She said, but this particular day, the planes were flying ominously close. And then all of a sudden, the bombs began falling on her village. Chaos erupted. You find in the midst of this chaos, the people in her village, all 212 of them, began to run. But while they were running, they recited Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me besides the still waters. And they went on to recite this psalm repeatedly. And these bombs fell for 12 straight hours. And they ran for 12 straight hours. And they repeated Psalm 23 for 12 straight hours. And at the end of the day, when the bombing ceased, they counted the number of villagers that were remaining, and there were 212. There is no logical explanation outside of the power, the ongoing creative power of God operating in their midst and giving them protection. I say that because God is continuing to work in the midst of chaos. And there's a whole lot of chaos going on in our day and time. You've got someone whose name I will not mention banning books in one state, and even the, the work of someone who is a world-renowned poet, and you've got black men still being killed, and you've got mass murderers taking lives in churches and temples and synagogues, both in America and all over the world. You've got housing being torn from people who are dependent on it and can no longer afford anything. And so even the public housing that is offered at a reduced, they cannot afford it. You've got women's rights being rolled back. We're concentrating so much on small stuff 
and our nation is as divided as ever. We are in the midst of chaos. But we serve a God who brought about creation in the midst of chaos. And this same God is at work now. I want us to understand that God does some of God's best work in the midst of chaos. And so our challenge in the midst of everyone talking about how bad it is, our challenge for people of faith is to look to the God who constantly brings creation out of chaos. I cannot tell you what episode we are in, but I know that God is still at work doing what God does through the agency or power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why each and every day I continue to stand and give thanks to God for what God is doing and asking God to give me the eyes to see how God is working in the world. Not so that I can ask God to come and rescue me, but I can align myself to the work that God is already doing in this world. I don't need God to be my butler. I need God to be my Lord leading me and guiding me each and every day in the midst of the chaos. As we close, there's one other thing that I want us to know about God's ongoing creative work in this world. For some time, I've had to deconstruct the faith that I grew up with, a faith that was largely dependent upon individual salvation where we believe in God and accept God as our Lord and Savior, and then we try our best to do good things throughout our lives, and we hopefully will earn our way to heaven. But what I've been fascinated by is the corporate nature of God's salvation. In this Pentecost episode, this season, Premier, the spirit did not just fall upon the inner core of disciples, Peter, James, and John, but it fell upon all of them. And when Peter stood up, it says that he stood with the other disciples. There's a story of a missionary who had traveled around Africa, and he found himself in a village on one occasion. And after being there for some time, he was observing some children at play. And he decided that he was going to introduce some competition into their play. And so he held up a piece of candy and he said, there was a tree in the distance. And he said, the first one of you to reach the tree in the distance, I'll give this piece of candy. And then he watched in amazement as one child took the hand of another child, who took the hand of another child, who took the hand of another child, who took the hand of another child until all of the children were holding hands. And then they took off running and they arrived at the tree at the exact same time. Oh, they did this because they had understood that unless all of us go together and are saved, none of us are saved. There's not just an I 
component to God's salvation, there's a we component. And so as we travel in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the challenges, I invite us to reach out, to reach out to those who are of different colors and sexual orientations and classifications and say, let's walk through this together in the name of God. This, my sisters and brothers, is a reflection and the new storyline that God introduces in the season premiere called Pentecost. Walk together, children, and don't you get weary. There's a great promised land right here, right now. Amen.